Welcome to the Tactical Tool Belt Climate Tech Podcast. On this show, we focus on how the real estate industry, the world's single largest emitter of greenhouse gases, can leverage climate tech to become part of the sustainability solution. I'm your host, Greg Smithies. I'm a partner on the climate tech team at Fifth Wall, the largest and most active venture investor in technology for the real estate industry. In this podcast, we'll be joined by people on the front lines, the people inventing, investing in, and deploying the climate tech we'll need to make our homes, offices, and communities more efficient, more sustainable, and ever closer to carbon zero. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Tactical Toolbelt Climate Tech, where uh, we in the Fifth Wall team get to talk to people who are on the front lines of decarbonizing the built world and how we get uh, what is the largest greenhouse gas emitting industry uh, down to net zero on a rapid clip. Um, and today I've got the fantastic opportunity to talk to John Powers, who is the CEO and founder of Extensible Energy. Um, Extensible are doing some fantastic things around uh, bringing down um, the, the effective cost of putting renewable energy onto buildings and increasing their ROI. Um, but before we jump into that, uh, John, would love to just hear a little bit about how you got here. Your last name is Powers. You have a company that's in the energy business. You were predestined to be here. Um, but what did that journey look like? Yeah, I'm, I'm afraid so. It's impossible to get out of this business with that name. So basically, I've been an energy nerd for my entire adult life, more than the last 30 years anyway, about half that time as a consultant and half as a software entrepreneur. Uh, I'm an economist by training. I went to Reed College for my undergrad degree. My first job was up in Portland, Oregon at Portland General Electric, which is a fantastic way to learn about electricity markets and pricing and so forth. Uh, I went to grad school uh, again in economics in Berkeley, California. And while I was there, I started working as a consultant with a firm called Quantum Consulting, just an amazing experience. We studied primarily um, how electricity is used and how people make energy-related decisions. So we spun a software company out of Quantum, which was my first uh, startup, which was called Energy Interactive. Um, and that was all based on electricity usage and pricing. And that we grew that up, got some venture backing, sold it on good terms to ABB. I worked at ABB for a while as a result of all that. So extensible energy is really just the next iteration of some of the same ideas I've worked on throughout my career. In this case, helping to make electricity usage match up better with electricity production so customers can save more on their electricity bills and meet their climate goals. And I'm sure we'll talk a lot about that as we go. Got it. Yeah. So you have been deep and mired in this in this space. But um, yeah, given that you've come back to this problem set twice now, at least, what is actually the problem that you're trying to solve? So the grid is changing, right? The grid is changing from a one-way system of dirty fossil fuel plants to a true grid of distributed, clean, renewable resources. And, and that's all great, except that those resources only generate when the sun is shining or the wind is blowing. That means we have to change the way people use electricity as much as we change the way we generate electricity so that the usage syncs up with what we're generating. If customers can get out ahead of that, can understand that, they can save a lot on their energy bills today and they can participate in load flexibility markets tomorrow. So that's the problem we're solving. We're solving matching up when electricity is generated with when it's used by customers to save them a bunch of money. 
Got it. Got it. Okay. Um, but you know, I understand that you know certain markets here in the in the U.S. have gotten a lot of renewables on them. Certain other markets don't. But um, is this like a, a critical problem we need to solve right now? Have we got some time on this? How how big is this opportunity? Yeah, so it's a, a trillion dollar opportunity in the next decade. I like to think of that as two billion a week for the next ten years. <laughs> That's a great great way to talk about a big number. Well, you know, I, I'm cursed with the ability to do basic arithmetic. It's a very big market, and you know, the the uh, exponential growth is only noticed as it starts to really kick in. People have not noticed how fast the solar industry is growing, and another uh, tenfold increase is coming in the next decade. And as uh, commercial buildings move from being just consumers of electricity to producers and consumers of electricity, uh, the opportunities for savings become become quite significant. And uh, the more you can line up the usage with your own production, the, um, the more you will benefit from those changes. The changes are coming. We're, we're changing the mix of um, how, how electricity is produced very quickly in every area. California, where, where we're based, may be out ahead a little bit, but the entire West has set um, very, uh, uh, very high renewable portfolio standard goals. Many of the utilities in the, I'm sorry, the states in the Northeast have done the same. Even without any federal intervention, the uh, renewable portfolio standards in the states alone will drive that tenfold increase in the next decade. So the, the folks who use their roof as an asset instead of as a liability, the folks who really um, you know, put solar on and or um, trade with people who have put solar on their buildings and control their loads in response to that are going to be uh, miles ahead of the folks who are late to the party. Not that any of this requires solar on the building. The solar is coming, whether it's on your building or not, and that's affecting the pricing um, and good control of autonomous control, remote control of the flexible loads behind the meter will benefit the economics of any building owner, whether or not they have solar on the building. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So maybe in a second here, let's dig into it. But I think you really do bring up a good point on humans are very bad at understanding exponential growth curves. Um, there, there's that great, great quote, which I'm obviously going to butcher. I think it's a, it's a Rockefeller quote, which is, um, how do you go bankrupt? And it's uh, slowly at first, and then all of a sudden. Um, yes. And that's because that's an exponential curve. Um, right. And that's effectively what happens when you have a new technology that is undercutting the incumbents. Right now, I think building new uh, renewable energy is the cheapest form of power for about 70% of the humans on the planet. Right? That literally means that it's cheaper to build new solar than it is to, say, uh, keep a coal plant running, which is nuts. And um, at that point in time, that means that it's, it's kind of an inevitability that this is just going to rip through the entire, uh, the entire grid. Uh, relatively rapidly without anybody, you know, Biden might go and put in some clean energy standards and there might be some incentives here that maybe uh, speed this up by a year or two on the edges. But at the end of the day, uh, the invisible hand of economics is, uh, has its, its weight on the, on the scale here. And it's, it's, it's an inevitability at this point, right? That's right. That, that's what we're riding. We're not worried about 
you know, who's in office or anything else. We're riding a much bigger trend than that. Two, actually, one is the trend in the the decline in cost of renewables, but the other is the exponential increase in um, uh, computing power, networking. Um, you know, the stuff we're doing now, fully autonomous control, remote control of buildings using continuous optimization, that would have been impossible um, when I started my last startup almost 20 years ago, right? So all of that has evolved. So the last startup would sort of show you, well, your building made a mistake yesterday and you're supposed to go learn from that. But this startup says your building's going to make a mistake in two hours, but don't worry, we already fixed it for you. So that kind of intervention is really um, a game changer for building owners and operators. Uh, you can shave 30% off demand charges with a one-day installation um, of good load flexibility software. And that that is just you know turning that previously unmanageable utility bill into an opportunity for more bottom line, right? I mean, it's a, it's a big change in how you go, how you think about your utility bill. Yep. Okay. So we've, we've kind of uh, start, started alluding here into, into the solution that extensible energy does. Um, what, what is it that you actually do for the, for the building owners and, and the tenants? Um, and yeah, how do you do it? Yeah. So we, control the loads, uh, any flexible load in commercial buildings. And a flexible load could be a stationary battery. It could be electric vehicle charging behind the meter. could be any number of flexible uh, loads where you don't care when things are running. Uh, but the biggest one, of course, is heating and cooling. Nobody cares when the compressors run. They only care that it's comfortable inside. That turns out to be a tremendous amount of energy that can be shifted from minute to minute and hour to hour in a way that saves a lot of money given the current tariff structures in most utilities and also in emerging markets of demand response and load flexibility. Yep. Okay. So let me let me parrot this back to you and and see if see if I've got it. Throughout the day, because um, the grid is more distributed and we've got you know these massive swings of electricity supply because of all of the um, renewables, right? Which we never used to see in the past because coal plants are you know very solid and uh, predictable. But because the supply side of the equation on the grid is now becoming somewhat unpredictable. Um, the utilities are forced to do things like demand charges, where they will charge you, you know, many orders of magnitude more at certain times of day. And I think we saw this most recently in February in, or in, uh, um, in the big freeze down in Texas. Now, this wasn't caused by the renewable power, but what we did see is the demand charges go nuts. We were seeing like $9,000 a kilowatt hour, right? And what it is that you guys do is you allow the buildings to proactively shunt in time their demand draws around so that you can avoid all of these uh, these uh, massive costs. It's basically uh, time shifting your usage so that you avoid the big costs um, that might be coming through from the utilities, right? Exactly right. And the, the, um, the ability for basically... Uh, an artificial intelligence to watch all of your loads for you is new, right? That wasn't here 5, 10, 15 years ago. Y you couldn't pay an intern to run around the building, turning things on and off with, with a radio listening to what the prices are. It, it would be, it, it's completely infeasible. But now that we have IoT uh, 
frameworks that work, uh, local sensor networks that are cheap and easily deployed, um, cloud computing power that is virtually unlimited. You can put these things in place that watch what your building is doing and help you shift any flexible load away from times when it would be very expensive. Um, most people don't realize how quickly the grid is changing and as a result, how quickly changes are coming to your utility bill. This is a way to future-proof your building against changes in the electricity, uh, the utility industry, and to keep your costs under control. Yeah, and I think this is maybe a nuance that many building owners don't actually necessarily understand because they're used to looking at their bills the way that they looked, I don't know, maybe five years ago, where maybe there was a time of day thing here. Maybe it was, you know, one rate, one rate between four and nine and a different one the rest of the time. Whereas actually what's happened for a lot of utility bills over the last couple of years is they've shifted to almost minute to minute um, rating policies, right? Yeah, not most places yet. Um, I think that you can get that in Texas and you can get that in a few other deregulated markets. But today, most customers don't understand their utility bills even the way they appear today. You know, the utilities don't go out of their way to make them transparent and clear. Uh, and as a result, most building managers that we've talked to view um, electricity costs as fixed or utility costs in general is just something you have to pay regardless of what it is. We're trying to turn that into a manageable expense where you can take very specific, simple, automated steps to dramatically lower those costs without a lot of equipment retrofit, without you know ripping and replacing huge amounts of equipment in your building. So the 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 trick is to rely on software to do the heavy lifting. It's to let us monitor what's going on with all the different usages in the building and then control those to your best effect. Yep. Okay. And then here you, you maybe started talking about this, but there is sort of a, uh, is the juice worth the squeeze sort of analysis that most people do. And I think in the past, maybe this didn't make sense because as you said, um, we needed some human to go around and change the set points on, on the HVAC system, right? And that clearly didn't make sense. So what does the sort of uh, uh, cost versus payback equation look like now for a solution like yours? Yeah, so in, in the um, work we're doing with our solar installation partners, um, the payback times look like two years or less. Um, in fact, we can structure the deal so that um, if we can finance the initial installation, your payback time is is zero years. You can you can start saving immediately out of the monthly fee that we charge. So you'll save more than our fee by far. So the the um, the very light touch is is critical here since we're not doing a lot of upfront modification of the building, upfront installation of expensive equipment. This is a one-day site visit to change your building from unaware to aware of electricity pricing and control options. So, But then surely there, there should be something there in the building kind of ready to go that you can kind of connect into. But uh, So what is your sort of bare, bare minimum requisites of what is required inside that building for you guys to be effective? Sure. So we think of two types of buildings, ones that already have a building energy management system and then ones that don't. So the small to medium buildings that we focus on 
I'd, I'd say 70% of the buildings to date have not had an energy management system at all. The man, energy management system is your big right thumb. You go and change the thermostats around the, the building however you want. And that's a very inefficient system to remove and replace dumb thermostats with smart thermostats. It takes a few minutes um, to set up a network of Zigbee, Z-Wave, Wi-Fi, any of the protocols that talk to those devices just a few minutes. So we can be in and out in a day and have uh, a building come under control. For building energy management systems, we have a simple IoT gateway that talks BACnet over the same network that that system uh, uses. And that that works, again, a one-day installation to get that going. So in each case, um, we need to leave very little behind. Our IoT gateway is a little off-the-shelf PC, and that does all of the communication protocols necessary. All the brains are up in the cloud, and we we talk to the gateway from there. Got it. And um, where are you uh, currently uh, relevant? Because I assume you probably have to have some uh, tie-in to the, to the utilities, and they have to be sort of on board with this stuff. So are you in particular markets, or is this kind of a, a US-wide thing? So we are customer first. We are not utility first when it comes to this market. So everywhere demand charges are over about eight bucks per KW, we're immediately relevant. That turns out to be just over two thirds of the commercial buildings in the United States, everywhere in California, everywhere in the Northeast, uh, lots of other places in the West. Most of the country has, has uh, demand charges over $8 per KW. And so we're, we don't need utility participation in any way to make this work. So we can work with, in the future, we'll be working with um, demand response programs to add to the value that we're delivering, but that's not necessary to make the economics of our solution work. Yeah. So if I, if I were to sort of translate that a little bit, it's that without any um, tie-in to the utility, you can avoid their charges, Right. But if you do have a tie into the utility, you can start playing and they will actually sometimes pay you to cut back your usage, right? So then you can actually get, get revenue in the door as opposed to just avoiding costs. And, and that first company I talked about many years ago, Energy Interactive, we actually built one of the first internet-based demand response systems and we sold that to utilities all over the country. So I know the demand response market extremely well. But no customer we've ever talked to wakes up in the morning and self-identifies as a demand response customer. They are a building owner or manager, and we need to make the product work for them 24-7, 365 before we worry about how they want to interact with their utility, if at all. Yep. And yeah, let, let me actually, because uh, you're sort of leading that way, go down the devil's advocate question. As the building owner... Um, how worried do I have to be about something like this? You guys are connecting into some pretty critical systems, right? A HVAC and energy are you know, number one and number two on the most sort of important systems inside my building. Maybe lighting is number three or something, right? But, but how do we get comfortable that you guys aren't going to monkey with stuff too much? Oh, we do monkey with stuff. We just don't do it too much. Somebody is monkeying with the HVAC all the time in an unmanaged building, right? Whoever has the most recent walk past the thermostat in a bit of discomfort has changed the setting for everyone in the building. We love finding the uh, buildings with dumb thermostats because we know we can help them. My favorites are the ones that have dumb thermostats locked in plastic boxes. Those are really 
uh, I'm sure we can help them. When you find the unbent paperclip on top of the plastic box that people are using to poke the thermostat, even though they're locked inside the plastic box, then you know the place is already extremely uncomfortable and they're dying for a solution that will bring greater comfort, convenience, and control. So we, we monkey with the system to keep the building in, in under better control, not the current path of control. So in terms of, um, you know, comfort, we can give references to the current customers who have experienced exactly what I'm talking about, which is increased comfort after we are are brought in, not decreased. And in terms of control and convenience and security and all that, you know, we've passed all the IT tests we've gone through so far. We button the thing up nice and secure for um, people to have good confidence that no one other than us is monkeying with their (laughs) HVAC and energy systems. Yeah, the, the last thing we need is not a, a ransomware that takes down pipelines, but maybe ransomware that that uh, that turns off your heat in the middle of winter, which would not be fun. Yeah, for sure. And you know, again, we we make sure that our system can be locally overridden because whenever there is a special event that isn't regularly scheduled or other things, we want customers to be able to override the optimization if that's what they choose to do. They lose the savings in that case, but that's that's not their only consideration in the use of the space. So you always have the ability to do local over- overrides, but when your building is running under 24-7, 365 uh, uh, supervised control, then you actually have uh, savings all the times you want them. It, it, it's up to you to decide you don't want the savings today because you want to do something special in your building. That's fine, of course. Yep. Fantastic. Well, uh, we're coming up on time here, um, but I think our listeners will have learned a bunch about um, how to save save power in their buildings, avoid demand costs, potentially get into demand response stuff. Um, where can people learn more about Extensible Energy? The best place is just straight, straight to our website, extensibleenergy.com. And you can always hit me up on LinkedIn uh, and I'm easy to find on, on LinkedIn. And other than that, um, we have a Twitter feed, Extensible Energy is our Twitter handle, and call me anytime. I'm just john at extensibleenergy.com. It's nice being a small company, so it's easy to remember my email. So uh, hit me up, and we'll connect you with um, some additional resources to learn more. Fantastic. No, great to chat. Uh, the man with the name who is predestined to be in this industry, John Powers, uh, thanks so much for spending the time with us. Thanks very much. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Fifth Wall's Tactical Tool Belt Climate Tech Podcast. For more on Fifth Wall and our efforts in climate tech, visit our website at fifthwall.com.